looking back on it, it's actually quite frightening. And I'm not a guy that frightens easily, but that looking back on it, it is actually quite frightening that he got to that point. Um, my name's Sid, I'm 58 years old. In my younger life, I was well into sport, cricket, rugby, boxing. Um, used to get paid for playing cricket and rugby. Actually playing cricket with Ian Botham, Graham Hick, Tom Moody, virtually half the England side were at Worcester at that time. I seriously injured myself, which meant that my sporting career was not over, but it would never be professional as I wanted it to be. I actually had an accident at work and something fell on my head. And they took me up and gave me an x-ray. And this lovely little chap came through and he said, oh, we found something that's not there, not supposed to be there. And I went, oh, you mean a brain? And he said, no, you've got a tumour. And I said, no, 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 I'm indestructible, me, I don't get things like that. Can't happen to me. Brain tumour was operated on April 2015. Pretty much a year later, was diagnosed with Crohn's, which is a quite a nasty stomach disorder. Admitted to hospital, um, and just before I was admitted to hospital, my mother passed away, who I've been looking after for a few years, um, quite suddenly as well. It, it turned out I was suffering from a very severe depression because of what had been going on. And obviously during that time as well, I was getting into debt without actually knowing I was getting into debt. I was on some quite um, heavy duty medication and it just spiralled. So pretty much everybody you could owe money to, I owed money to. The nurse came into the room and she said, can I get you anything? I said, no, just shut the door and let me die. I'd had enough. The will, the will to fight it had just gone. So they looked after me in, in hospital and fixed the broken bits again and got me up and running. And when I came out, someone referred me or said to me, if you've got problems, give these people a ring and gave me a card. And when I got home is when I made the, the phone call to Cap. I tried to collect everything that was relevant to what was going on, so letters and bills and all the, the correspondence. And everything was explained, which puts you so much at ease because you actually, for the first time, know what's going on. And then Andrew said to me, I'll give you some, he actually gave me a load of prepaid envelopes. If anything comes, send this off to Cap. And for the first time, think, Crikey, there's a way out of this, you know. It, it was like a, a weight being lifted off my shoulders. Brilliant. That's when Andrew dropped the bombshell. Did you fancy coming to church on Sunday, Sid? 
So I said, no, all right, no, no, yeah, no, no, that'd be nice. That'd be nice to come along. And I turned up knowing two people, Andrew and Chris. When I left, 20 plus people, see you next week, Sid, have a good week, see you next week. Oh, I'm going, crikey, it's a bit different, isn't it? They're all very nice. That was four years ago, but maybe a bit longer. Um, and apart from the times when I've been in hospital, I've not missed a Sunday. I see things totally differently now. My whole attitude is different now. I wake up every day, and every day is now a lovely day. <laughs> Without Cap, Gary, Andrew and Chris, and the church, I actually would rather not think about where I would be now. Um, it really has made that much of a difference to my life. It's that sense of belonging and the sense of friendship. To me, it, it is priceless. Yeah, I'd just like to start off just thanking Joe um, for sharing with us this morning. Um, and you can tell from her and tell you know, the, the personal relationships she has with people um, and, and uh, just the stark circumstances of suffering that there is for people in our community and in this room as well. Um, I want to thank her for the work that she does, how she serves the poor and the suffering in this area. And please be praying for her. Uh, it's not just Cap Sunday that we want to bring this before us and, and pray once a year over this. This is an ongoing thing. We want to be praying for Joe and the team on an ongoing basis. Please encourage her and please lend your help in lots of different ways. You know, you don't have to be necessarily out in people's homes either. You can do other loads of practical things, but Joe can have a chat to you about that. Uh, but please encourage her and support her. So thank you, Joe, for sharing this morning. And we don't have to look far or, or listen for too long for evidence of uh, a world that is just struggling. Uh, a world that's seemingly groaning at the seams. You watch the news and between poverty and the economy and war, famine, disease, uprising, turmoil, it just seems it's so easy to be disheartened, to be discouraged, to be maybe fearful or anxious. You only have to talk to your neighbours or your family or friends to see that the, the weight of what people are carrying around with them. That these are troubling times that we live in for many in our community. And there's lots of reasons to despair and there's lots of reasons to lament. And it's lament that we are going to be looking at uh, primarily this Cap Sunday. What is lament? Is, is lament a term that we're familiar with? I suppose the first memory I have of the term came when I was about 12 or 13. My winter maths mark had come back from the teacher and I got 14%. One four that was. And I had enough about me to know I'd never heard this word lamentable before, but when the teacher put it in the same sentence as my 14%, I knew it wasn't something to celebrate. It was a reason for grief. Lament is to express our grief. And the teacher was expressing his grief in me and my 14%. But lament is to express your sorrow, your disappointment in your circumstances, maybe personally or maybe collectively. And today we want to look specifically at biblical lament and also importantly biblical hope because biblical lament goes hand in hand with hope and it's so important for us to know that 
maybe in the circumstances that we're facing. There's so many different expressions of lament throughout Scripture. Lamentations is a whole book of lament. The psalmist is often found in lament. There's so many psalms of lament throughout Scripture. Lament is something that we can all do, but biblical lament is different than worldly lament. It isn't just a, a hopeless cry. It isn't just a, a beaten, downtrodden moan at the world. And we're, we're all good at moaning. We're probably some world-class moaners in this room, my, myself included in that. But lament is not simply moaning or letting off steam or ranting and raving. That is a form of lament, but it doesn't lead us anywhere. It leaves us stuck where we are. And today I want to briefly look at how biblical lament leads us somewhere. Biblical lament is an action which will move us to a destination. And that is a destination of hope and of trust, of confidence and of worship. It's an active process. It helps us to, to look beyond our circumstances and see God in them. And to do this, this morning we're going to look at Psalm 13. Joe has, uh, has read from Psalm 13. So if you want to follow along as we go, uh, we're going to be looking at it. It's quite a short psalm, uh, but there's quite a lot in it as well. And the, the, the theme of today is lament to hope. And David, as we see, David is a psalmist. He is the one writing Psalm 13. And though we're not sure of the context for his anguish and, and, and what is going on for him, we can feel his anguish so so uh, severely through the first few verses of this psalm. David lamented across uh, lots of the psalms over personal sin, over affliction, the enemies who were out to kill him, the sins of the nation. And what can we draw from this psalm this morning, this Cap Sunday? Well, first of all, I want us to see that no matter what it was David was, was experiencing, whatever it was that wrenched these words, this anguish onto the page, he was very clear who he was directing his lament to. He addresses his anguish and his pain and his lament to the Lord. And so often when things go wrong, when things go bad, we can often direct our lament, our moan, our, 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 our gripes in so many different ways in the wrong places. Sometimes when we're suffering, when we're in pain, we, we turn on ourselves, we beat ourselves up, we try to fix things ourselves, try to work our way through things by ourselves. Sometimes we can lash out at others, we can blame others, we can rant and rave at others as well. But neither of these ways will help us. What I want us to see here is is what David does. And David turns to God in his lament. He directs his lament to God. And in this passage, I think it can be split into three parts. Verse 1 and 2 is David's complaint. From a place of despair and a place of suffering, we see David's complaint and his accusation to God. We'll look at that in a minute. Verse 3 and 4 then is his, his prayer, his petition, what he asks of the Lord. And then finally, verse 5 and 6, we see David's trust and hope and ultimately worship at the end of this chapter. And sometimes I think we have a, a sanitized version of what it is and how it is that we bring our lament before God, that we bring our uh, the things that we have going on before God. Sometimes I think we do it so cleanly and tidily and we pray tidy little prayers and we make sure we get the right language and the right theology, the right tone in our, in our prayers. But I want us to see as well what does David say and how does he bring his lament before the Lord. 
We see in verse 1 and 2, we see from his despair he brings a complaint to God. He makes a complaint to God, almost accusing God in a way. It says in verse 1 and 2, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? We see David's honesty and, and his despair. It leads him to this complaint and this accusation of God. His pain and his grief leads him to, to, to accuse God of having forgotten about him. David felt that God had forgotten him. He felt that his circumstances surrounding him meant that God had hidden himself from him. That he'd been abandoned by God. And David brings this raw emotion of, of, of where he is, where his heart is at before God. He brings that truthfully and honestly before God. I wonder if you've ever felt a time where you're waiting on something to change in your circumstances. And maybe they just didn't seem to be changing. Have you ever felt that God had forgotten you? Maybe you're facing health concerns. Maybe you're awaiting test results. Maybe you're facing business problems, financial pressures, debt that you just can't see a way clear of. Maybe there's relationships that are in jeopardy. Maybe in the midst of all those things that you've felt that God has just walked off the scene and just left you to it. Just forgotten you, just abandoned you. Well, David brings this honest cry and this honest complaint to the Lord, but he directs his lament in the right direction. He brings it to God as a complaint, but he brings it to God. David craves God's presence, his ear, his word, his comfort, and when he doesn't feel it, he cries out for it in anguish. The important thing to remember is, and as we'll see through this, God doesn't forget us, and God doesn't abandon us in the midst of our circumstances. I remember taking Aramaika to the, the fun house over in Uri, uh a good number of years ago when he was very young. He was probably about two and a half at the time. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with the fun house, uh, it is very poorly named, I'll say that. Uh, it is anything but fun as far as I can tell. It's filled with Hundreds of screaming, coughing, sneezing, sugar-infused kids climbing and sliding and swinging all over this big jungle gym, uh, assault course type thing. And I'd taken Mike along, just me and him. And uh, I watched, he went into this big maze thing and he climbed up all these levels. And I could see him through the netting at the side. I was sort of following him along. And he ran down this uh, rope bridge and he was in through this netting. But after a short time, he realized he was lost. He couldn't see me. He was... He was lost. He was unaware that I could see him the whole time. And he started to panic and there was tears and he was charging around going, Daddy! Daddy! Where are you? And I caught up with him not not long after and he says, uh, he come running towards me and he says, You left me, Dad. Why, why did you leave me? And the reality was that I could see him the whole time but he couldn't see me. Reality was he hadn't been left alone, he hadn't been abandoned, he hadn't been forgotten, but this is how he felt. This is what he understood of it. And he came to me with this heartfelt complaint. And just as he came yelling this towards me, he also looked for my arms, he looked for my hug, he looked because I was his safe place, I was the one who he was seeking out. I think maybe this is an illustration, maybe helps us understand some of what goes on for the psalmist here. David can't necessarily see the Lord, but it doesn't mean the Lord doesn't see him. And it's the same for us. It's the same for us in our circumstances. Sometimes we can feel that we can't see God, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't see us in whatever we're going through. 
David, in his despair, goes on then to write, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And verse 1 and 2 really reveals to us where David's thoughts have been. And again, I ask, have, have we ever felt this for ourselves? Maybe we're feeling that right now. Have we ever felt uh, that we have been caught in, uh, alone in our own counsel? counsel of our own soul. What does that mean? That we've we've been caught in our own minds, we've been trying to rack our own brains and in our own thoughts, trying to figure out a way through. We've sought our own wisdom and we haven't either sought the wisdom of God or we haven't uh, felt the presence of God. I've uh, a situation not so long ago where I just felt some of what David, I can, I can sort of feeling some of what David's feeling here, just felt hopeless and helpless and, and overwhelmed. Found myself questioning where God was in it. Constantly trying to think my way through it, and it was never off my mind. My waking thoughts would be dominated by it. My, my eyes would close at night thinking about this situation. My dreams sometimes would even wake me up thinking about it. I was caught in the counsel of my own soul and my own mind, and not in the presence of God, not in the counsel of God. It was not a healthy place to be. My thoughts were just dominated by this situation. My soul ached. My heart was sorrowful in the middle of it. And David is expressing his despair in his own life here. I wonder if you felt that way. Or maybe you're feeling there now. Maybe you're feeling alone. Maybe you're feeling that your enemies are, uh, are mocking you. Maybe you don't know what to do. You're paralyzed. You're stuck. You've sleepless nights. You've, you've sorrow through the day. Be at a loss, just like David, at a loss to know why something was happening. There was talk this morning about about debt, and debt can dominate the mind. It can dominate the mind, the soul, and the heart. It can cause your mind to race, your heart to be heavy, your stomach to feel sick with worry. And if you're feeling any of that, then you're in good company with the psalmist. David is expressing something of this here, and I wonder if we can relate to that. And in your despair, I want you to tell you this morning that you're not alone. You're not on your own. You aren't abandoned. Just as David expresses the impact of what is going on for him, his circumstances around him, he expresses the impact that that is having on him to God. He brings that to God in honesty. And we also can and should bring the weight of what is going on for us to God. That is the right place to bring it. In honesty and in openness, as David did, bring him your lostness, bring him your confusion, bring him your questions, bring him your hopelessness, bring him your loneliness, bring him your lament. Cry out to him in the same way the psalmist did. So direct our lament in the right place. As I said earlier, lament is an active process. It's not just something we do and we're stuck there, but it's an active process towards a destination and a journey. And that journey continues in verse 3 and verse 4. And in those verses we see David's move to a petition of God, an ask of God. He asks and he, he demands really, he nearly beseeches God. He says in verse 3, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. From, from feeling that God isn't even there, God's presence isn't there, he's now He's now asking God to consider him, but also just to answer him. He's, he's crying out for an answer from God. And, and in this we can maybe think this demand of God can be 
bold or you know what's going on here, but we see also his humility. He knows who he is coming before. He refers to him as the Lord my God. He knows that this is the Lord that he's coming before. He knows who he is before the Lord. And he comes with humility to ask him in the midst of his circumstances. The Lord who has heard his complaint, the Lord who knows his suffering, also knows his humility in coming to him in prayer. And David makes a request in, in verse 3 of God, that God would light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. And this in some ways indicates that David may actually believe that whatever the circumstance that he's coming up against could, could kill him, could lead to his death. It's just too bleak, it's too dark, and he believes he may die, and he believes that his enemies are going to gloat over him, and he's, he's asking maybe in a way for, for deliverance from this from God, for God to deliver him from his circumstances. But other scholars also believe that the language and the words used for this, this light up my eyes has a resonance in, in Ezra chapter 9 verse 8. This is a, a portion where, where Ezra is calling on God on behalf of those returning from captivity who have seen so much, who have experienced so much, who have suffered so much, to brighten our eyes, he says in verse nine or verse eight of chapter nine, to brighten our eyes, and this was meant as a, a means of encouragement. He was calling on God, encourage your people, stir up our hearts, stir our souls, stir our factions, lift our souls. We need encouragement, Lord. So in this, David may also be calling. Uh, in the in the resonance that there is with this other verse in the language that David may be also calling here for encouragement for his soul in the midst of chaos and catastrophe. Maybe he's petitioning God for a new perspective in his troubles, a new light to see the world in. And I wonder if is this something that we do in times of despair or trouble? Do we simply simply ask God to fix our problems? to deliver us. And we should ask those things. We can ask God to deliver us from what we're facing. But also to encourage us, to lighten our eyes, to give us a new perspective in our circumstances. Sometimes our circumstances don't always change with prayer, but our perspective can change and we can see those difficulties, those circumstances in a different light. Do we ask that? David does in a way here, and moving towards the destination of Lament, we see the journey move on to, to verse 5. And what we see in verse 5 is David makes a statement of faith in verse 5. He says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And David, with this new perspective, aided by the petition of, of the Lord, he, he remembers God's character. He's reminded of who God is. He remembers what he has done for him in the past, and David has known God's steadfast love. That steadfast love is, is enough to give him confidence despite the circumstances. And I want us to notice that probably between verse 1 and verse 5, there, there hasn't been any evidence of change of, of his circumstances. Things haven't changed. Things aren't all rosy in his garden now. But his perspective has changed. His focus has changed, and he's, he's, he's remembering God's faithfulness his goodness and his steadfast love. Do we know the steadfast love of the Lord? Can we recall God's goodness, his faithfulness? Can we see that in our lives? Can we recall that? Can we trust in that? Can we depend on that? Sometimes we, in our circumstances, our eyes come off God's character 
and all we see is what's going on around us. This is a reminder for us in all our circumstances to look to God, see who he is, believe in who he is, remember what he has done. The steadfast love of the Lord was demonstrated for us through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the extension of hope that he has given to us through Jesus. Read in First John 4, verse 9 and 10, In this the love of God is made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a propitiation for our sins. God has extended hope, he has extended the offer of, of forgiveness over sins to us. He has demonstrated his love for us through Jesus. Romans 8, verse 38 and 39 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor anything, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I could paraphrase that in in a different way, not in in a glib way, not to minimize your circumstances or mine, but just simply to say that when you're in Christ, when you have trusted in Jesus, when you're with him, in him, nothing, and I mean nothing, that you face can separate you from his love, his steadfast love for us. And you can fill in the blank this morning if it's if the thing that's facing you, the circumstance that you're in this morning is, is sickness, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's redundancy, maybe it's relationship loss, maybe it's grief, maybe it's betrayal. Whatever it might be this morning, those things will sting, and those things will hurt, and those things will overwhelm us sometimes. Those things have consequences, and we should never minimize those things. There are people in this town trapped in, in debt. There are people in this town in addiction. There are people in this town who are lonely. This morning, there's people in this town who need to know that there is hope. They need to know alongside Cap and the practical support that that Joe has talked about this morning, that we've seen in Sid's story, that there is also the, the extension of hope. That we carry a hope in Jesus that none of these things, no matter what you face, whatever your circumstances, no matter how bleak, Romans tells us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. The love of God is steadfast. The power of the cross is unbreakable. And nothing that you face can break that. David knew this steadfast love. And he knew the saving mercy and grace of God. And in the middle of his suffering, he was able to recall that. And he was able to, to remember that. And he's able to remind himself of that. And testify to it. We see, move on to verse 6. Finally, we see in the knowledge of, uh, his knowledge of the Lord and his remembrance of who the Lord is and what he has done, we see in verse 6 that David moves to worship. He says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I want us to see the journey from verse 1 through to verse 6. From despair, from despondency, from feeling abandonment, feeling forgotten by God in verse 1, to worshipping the Lord, 
who has dealt bountifully with them in verse 6. Worship has turned into a weapon in the middle of his troubles, in the middle of his strife. He's choosing to worship. His circumstances are the same. They haven't necessarily changed. But his God is bigger. He sees his God's character. He sees God's uh, love for him. He sees his faithfulness. He sees that he's to be trusted. He sees that he's to be rejoiced in. He remembers the good that he has done in his life. And we can we can declare from Scripture, we can testify from Scripture who God is and we can proclaim that. We can also testify to the goodness of God in our own life. Every time that we, uh, we, we see God's faithfulness in our life, we can remember that. Every time we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us, that trust and that confidence increases in him. We can remember him then in the trial and the trouble and declare him as Lord over all that we're in. We can worship in the midst of suffering like the psalmist. This is the journey from lament to hope that we see in this Psalm 13. What can we learn from it this morning? What can we take away? And just four quick things just as a means of recap just to, to highlight this morning. First of all, what I would say is that God is big enough to hear our gut-wrenchingly honest prayers. If you're in lament, if you're in difficulties this morning, if you're lamenting, direct it to God, direct it like David did to the Lord. Pray honest prayers to him. He is big enough to hear our honest prayers, our, our heartfelt prayers. He is the only one who can receive it and the only one who can answer it. Direct your lament to God. Pray to him. Turn to him. Cry out in honesty because he will hear it. He will receive it. And he will answer. Secondly, just because we can't see God doesn't mean that we aren't firmly fixed in God's gaze. You're not alone today. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing today, you may feel alone, you may feel abandoned, you may feel forgotten, but God has not abandoned or forgotten or taken his gaze from you. No matter your circumstances, God does not leave us or forsake us. I said earlier, some some of us here maybe this morning feel that. Maybe we've come this morning feeling that we're all alone, that wherever we're facing it's too bleak, too dark, we don't want to let anybody else even know. Bring it to the Lord. God has not forgotten us. He has not abandoned us. And also he has given us organizations, organizations like CAP, where, where Joe is involved, or, or the local church. He's given us the local church. And if there's things that you are, are struggling with, maybe this morning you just need to share with somebody beside you, somebody that you trust. Open up, share, allow them to to constantly pray with you. Maybe come at the end for prayer. But whatever you're in this morning, you're not alone. God has not forgotten you. Thirdly, prayer doesn't always change our circumstances, but it can change our perspective in our circumstances. Yes, we, sh- we should pray for for deliverance. We're facing things. We should pray for deliverance for ourselves and for other people. But we should also pray for a change of perspective, new eyes to see what is going on. What, where is God at work in our circumstances? And fourthly, that we make our lament a journey 
towards hope. We don't make our lament something that just stops at, at lament, at a, at, a, at a cry, but we see that it journeys towards hope. And biblical lament will lead us to God, will lead us towards trust and lead us towards confidence in the one who is steadfast and sure, the one who has saved us and the one that no matter what our circumstances say, that we cannot be separated from his love and his saving grace cannot be overcome by what we are facing. We can trust in him. We make our lament a journey towards hope in the one that we can have ultimate confidence in. Folks, CAP gives us an opportunity as a church uh, to live in and walk in the lament of a broken, painful world. To join our voices in lament to a broken, painful world. That we direct those to God. But you also have the opportunity to point towards hope in Jesus. Lament, in the biblical sense, leads to hope. And we have that hope in Jesus. If you know and you trust in Jesus, he is the reason for our hope. And ultimately, he can overcome whatever we are facing. He is bigger than all, and ultimately he will lead us one day to be with him in his presence, which is perfect, free from the struggle, free from the strain, free from all the difficulties that we face. So that's as a church, as we think about Cap Sunday this week, and as we reflect on, on what's going on in the community, what's going on in our own lives, as we bring this cry of lament, that's also point to hope. Hope that we find in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we um, are thankful to you for all that you have done for us, for all that you are. And Lord, thank you for the reminder of uh, your steadfast love for us. Thank you for the reminder of your, your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Lord, we often need reminders. and uh, Lord, help us to remind one another and remind ourselves daily of, of your character. Lord, I pray for uh, those who are facing real difficulties and, and uncertainties and anxieties and just feeling that they're in, in the dark right now, feeling that their circumstances are so bleak that they just can't see any future way out. And I pray that in the middle of that, that they can have uh, the ability to, to cry out to you. And we are thankful that you hear our prayers. We're thankful that you hear um, our hearts, that you know our hearts before we even open our mouths. And Lord, as, as a, a people, as a church, Lord, may we direct our lament, direct that to you in full confidence that you are the one who will answer. That you are the one that hears each of our cries. Lord, just pray over uh, what we've, we've looked at this morning. Lord, I pray over uh, the needs that there are in our community. Ultimately, the, the need for hope, the need for, for something to, to hold on to, 
Lord, we're thankful that those of us who have found that in you can share that with the world around us. Lord, equip us to do so. Give us confidence to do so. Give us opportunity to do so. And Lord, in the midst of darkness, may you shine the light of hope of the gospel of your Son, Jesus. Amen.